This is Austin Pace with BYU-Idaho Radio, and I'm joined today by Republican Senator Jim Guthrie from District 28. Senator, Guth- Sen- Senator Guthrie was born in Pocatello, Idaho. He has represented District 28 since 2012 and previously served in the Idaho House of Representatives from 2010 to 2012, representing District 29. Thanks for joining me, Senator. Thank you for having me, Austin. Perfect. So what are your thoughts so far on the legislative session? What are some things that you've liked and what are some things you would like to see change? Uh, You know, it's been interesting. Each session takes on its own personality and this one's no different. Uh, I think the big thing that's happened this year is the JFAC or the budget setting process was changed and that caused a lot of angst uh, kind of out of the gate. And so it delayed the... uh, the budget setting for at least two weeks, maybe three, and it's kind of put us behind. And in the past, when they would do like a hundred budgets, give or take, and they would be all inclusive for a particular agency, this year they decided to do like maintenance budgets. So they put budgets that were similar in like 10 silos, if you want to call it that. And there might be 10, 12, 15 budgets in a silo or five or six and they would pass a maintenance budget, and then the thought would be they would come in later and do the enhancements, and that caused a lot of uh, uncertainty and debate and problems, and so that kind of put things behind. Uh, I think the budget process is moving now, and they have passed, for the most part, these maintenance budgets, and they're going back through and working on the enhancements for different uh, different budgets for the departments and whatever. So that's been the big thing that's kind of taken on a life of its own this year, in addition to that, we are passing or we are uh, cranking out more legislation this year than I think we ever have. It's kind of a record. So a lot of ideas out there, uh, not all of them good, but <laughs> at any rate, there's a, an awful lot of legislation in the system right now. Do you believe that uh, the amount of legislation being introduced this year, breaking records like you were saying, do you think that has something to do with it being an election year? I think so. You know, anytime you can come up with a bill idea and get it passed, it puts your name potentially in the spotlight, maybe in the paper, on TV, and on the radio, whatever. And I think there is that. And so what you also get along with that political motivation is, uh, you know, sometimes extreme ideas are more likely to, to be presented in election year. So you can kind of put your stake in the ground and and, uh, you know, make a name for yourself, I guess. And even though a lot of times the issues won't get passed, it still creates an opportunity for exposure for, for candidates. So on to my, my first question, district judges have, for me, arguably the highest pressure job in the Idaho court system, which leads to stress and, to stress and burnout. So this often makes it hard to recruit district court judges. So Senate Bill 1347 has to do with the recruitment benefits for incoming court judges. And I know that the bill is kind of early, in the early stages, um, but could you tell me a little bit about the bill? You know, I don't sit on June rules, and i got to be perfectly honest with you, I have not reviewed that legislation. I will tell you that it has become increasingly difficult to recruit good candidates for judgeships, particularly maybe on the district court level. So, that would suggest that there needs to be some some work done in that regard. But as far as the specifics of 1347, I probably couldn't count, uh, comment on that. So in a general sense, from what you, I, I understand that you haven't 
really dove into it yet. But what can you tell me about the bill from what you've heard so far? Well, like I say, I, I really haven't heard much because I'm not on that committee. I'd be kind of shooting in the dark a little bit other than to say, you know, there's probably some things that we need to look at so that we create a more attractive environment for good candidates that want to leave a law practice or a magistrate judge, judgeship or whatever and and uh, go on the district bench. I think there's some some concerns over compensation and if is that commensurate with the responsibilities they take on. So I think that's probably the maybe the big thing that needs to be, I guess, having a look at to see if the compensation is where it needs to be. But beyond that, again, I have not been in that space. I'm not on the June Rules Committee, so that's really kind of out of my lane a little bit. Okay, so on to my, my next question. I understand that you're from the Senate, um, but this is um, kind of a more broad and nationwide problem that um, a lot of people are kind of interested in. So I'd like to hear your thoughts about a bill that is advancing to the Idaho House floor. So House Bill 520 would prohibit the use of public funds towards gender transition procedures, including surgeries, hormone therapy, and puberty blockers. According to the bill, public funds would not cover surgeries or medical intervention to alter, quote, the appearance of an individual in order to affirm the individual's perception of the individual's sex in a way that is inconsistent with the individual's biological sex, regardless of whether the surgical operation or medical intervention is administered to a minor or an adult, close quote. So could you give me a little bit of your thoughts around this general issue and I guess about around the bill um, and your, I guess, first initial thoughts on it? Yeah, and again, you know, House Bill 520 is on the other side of the rotunda. I have heard a little bit about it. And I think the thing that uh, we have seen in the past several years is more and more bills that kind of speak to those issues, the transgender, the the different things like that. I will tell you, I'm not a doctor, but I tend to listen to medical professionals. And when they come in and they make a case for the needs for some latitude in that regard, you know, I I pay attention. I pay attention to what the doctors say and the healthcare providers say. And I don't think you can base your decision on a piece of legislation like that just on your uh, purely on your political tendencies or preferences are. So if that bill gets over here, it will be scrutinized very heavily. And if it comes to my committee, which it might, it could go to Juden Rules, but it could go to Health and Welfare, I guess. But I that's a bill that I would probably have to have a lot of of input on and a lot of uh, comfort with before I would give it a hearing. I chair state affairs. So as chairman of state affairs, which deals with a lot of the social type issues, I have the latitude to not put a bill up for a hearing. So I do have kind of a backstop capability if I think a bill. And trust me, I consult with my committee and if my committee says, you know, that's really not something that we probably should be advancing, and, and so I use them as a resource, but I, I do have that latitude to hold something and not put it out in the public arena at a, at a hearing. Have you received bills similar to this in the past? Uh, yeah, I mean, some of them go to Juden Rules. Uh, if you remember House Bill 71 last year went to Juden Rules, and it dealt with, uh, with transgender issues. I think it might even be tied up in court now. But a lot of your abortion bills, your 
your uh, transgender, those kind of things. And where this deals with, I think, insurance and basically not paying for it, it actually even could go to commerce. And I do set on commerce. I also set on resources and environment. So the likelihood is that I would might be on a committee that would hear it. And again, if it comes to state affairs, I would, as the chairman, I could actually hold it. So it would have to pass a litmus test of sorts for me as a chairman before I would uh, hold a public hearing. And what does that litmus test look like? A lot of times we are guilty of letting emotion or uh, political preference or political posturing incline us to maybe support something one way or the other on a bill. I try to take a more pragmatic approach. And so if I got the bill, I would talk to healthcare providers, I would talk to insurance companies, and I would talk to those that will be affected by this. And I think an argument can be made that if somebody that needs this kind of care, this kind of medical care, is paying into the system through their taxes and different things like that, or or their insurance or whatever, then they should have every right to access those same insurance type benefits. And so there's a lot of boxes that I would have to check before I would uh, hold a hearing, including, you know, feedback from my other committee members on if they thought it was something that made sense for, for policy in Idaho. Perfect. Thank you. So on to my next question. I wanted to talk a little bit about the Senate Joint Memorial Number 102 that calls for, quote, targeted, common sense, business focused, market driven immigration reform, close quote, saying that Congress and the U.S. president, quote, have failed to provide a secure border, close quote. The resolution calls for not granting amnesty to people currently in the U.S. without legal status. So why did the Senate feel there was a need to pass this resolution? Well, if you've uh, watched over the past many years, and particularly in the last year or so, the border issue has gotten to a fever pitch. You've got Texas down there passing laws that are contrary to federal policy because they're so frustrated with what's happened at the border. Keeping in mind that immigration policy and the border issues are a federal policy decision, and the federal government has just kicked the can down the road and they have not acted on those kinds of things that you know the country really needs, which includes not just border security, but also recognition of the importance the foreign-born labor is to the industries and the businesses in the United States and in Idaho. So we have to have some kind of legalized method of of a guest worker or an entry program so that we can vet these people or whatever we need to do so that they are available to do these jobs that we don't have enough workers for. And it's a, it's a fact, it's proven data that a lot of the jobs that are needed to be filled, the the natural born citizens are not interested in filling those. In addition to that, there's not as many people in the workforce. So it's a it's a portion of the workforce that's needed. We just need to do it right. And that's why the bill said, you know, it is not amnesty for those that are already in the country, which means that, one, let's try to clean up what happens for those that are coming into the country in the future. But two, those that are in here illegally now, that resolu- or that memorial does not, it's not saying that they get a free pass or they get automatic citizenship or they get a, you know, safe harbor, so to speak, that they would still be subject to whatever laws are in place that deals with those that have unlawful presence in the United States today. So week seven of the legislative session is coming to an end. What are you looking forward to for week eight? 
I'm actually working on a couple of things. One is a, an election bill, House or Senate Bill 1371, which would be an effort to combine the presidential primary and all other primary elections into one primary that would be held the third week in April. And that represents a compromise between what the state Republican Party wants, which is an election in March, and what the, a lot of the other folks want, which is the primary election in May. So it kind of compromises there in the middle. And I'm I'll probably hold a hearing on that bill next week and hopeful that that can get some traction. The other thing that I'm going to be working on next week is some further uh, tweaks to our liquor licensing laws. I've been working with several people on those. And so that's going to be something that hopefully could help the resort cities and also do some language that would help uh, Senate Bill 1120, which I sponsored and got passed last year. In addition to those two things, I'm also working with several stakeholders, including the education community, law enforcement, et cetera, on House Bill 415, which came over and is in my committee. And it's basically guns in schools that were allowed uh, guns to be carried in your schools. That bill was way too aggressive, in my opinion. So we have worked with a lot of folks and we're trying to amend that to get that bill to where the school districts will have some say in what that policy looks like. So got a pretty full plate next week in addition to a lot of other things going on. That was Republican Senator Jim Guthrie from District 28. Thanks again for joining me, Senator. Thank you.